Hey guys, it's Megan. We are doing something a little different this week. The story you're about to hear was our very first Patreon episode from back in July of 2021. It's featuring an unsolved murder from the 60s. If you like it and you're looking for more, we've got 18 more episodes over there on the Patreon, as well as video content and blog posts. The link is in the show notes. Regardless, we hope you find this case as interesting as we did, and we'd love to hear what you think of it. There will be a discussion thread in our Facebook group, which is also linked in the show notes. Enjoy! So if you are hearing this, it's because you have subscribed. And you're a huge supporter of us. Yes, we're so thankful for, I don't know, for you guys, like, willing to, you know, stick with us. Yeah, and invest in us. And we're excited yeah. to bring you more content because, you know, we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> a lot. So we have a lot of ideas of random things we could do for you. So we've really loved making this podcast. Yeah. And it's so nice that you are part of the Patreon. So you get to hear this episode. Yes. I think I've got a pretty good one. A little addition. It's a murder. A murder. (laughs) It's a murder story. Murderous. And this is one that I had not heard before. Okay. Uh, I always try to find stories I haven't heard a million times. And sometimes it's hard. It really is. But I stumbled upon this Especially when you're searching the internet. You're like, oh, a million people have heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I listen to so many true crime podcasts. Yeah. That I really have heard a lot. I'll hear something that I'm thinking about doing and then I'll be like, ah, I don't want to duplicate this. This is so new. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. This is the Witch's Magic Murder Mystery Podcast. In case you weren't aware, I'm Kara. <laughs> I'm Megan. Okay. Elizabeth Ruth Ardsma. Mm. As always, you I have no idea if I'm pronouncing uh-huh. any of these correctly. Right. I love but, them. Yeah. I do it on purpose. Yeah. I think if there's not a hard to pronounce name, she I'm skips out. right over it. <laughs> so she was born in 1947 in Holland, Michigan. Okay. She was a creative kid. She was really into art and poetry. As a teenager, she displayed some kind of liberal ideals and concern for people who were less fortunate than she was. She graduated high school with honors and planned to become a doctor. She enrolled in Hope College in the fall of 1965. Her roommate described her as smart and fascinating, which Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's fun. Isn't that nice? Smart and fascinating would be the two adjectives I would want everyone to describe me as. Yeah. Yeah. And she had feminist traits. She stayed at Hope College for two years before deciding she didn't want to be a med student after all. And then she decided to enroll at the University of Michigan to study art and English. Okay. So her senior year at the University of Michigan, she met a guy named David Wright, and they started uh, dating. And I guess he was her first serious boyfriend. Oh. She graduated from the University of Michigan with honors in 1969. I know. Good for her. She was smart. Yeah. She planned to join the Peace Corps and travel to Africa. Oh, my gosh. But then David was like, listen. Yeah. I'm going to go to Penn State. Oh. And if you're going to be traveling abroad. Yeah. I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to stay faithful to you. Oh. Mm -hmm. Which I guess on one hand, it's like. You're young. You're both right. And there's really no reason to tie yourself down. Yeah. I just hate that her next move is, okay, I'm not going to go to the Peace Corps then. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Um, She decided to attend Penn State also, although not on the same campus as him. Okay. So she ended up at Penn State in Harrisburg, and he went to Penn State Hershey. And they're like Mm -hmm. half an hour apart. Okay. Yeah. So 
she would take the bus and go see him on the weekends. Well, that's cute. I mean, no. I don't know. I guess because it was her first serious relationship. I just wish somebody had said, take those adventures. Yeah. You're not going to get that. This again. is your first serious relationship, but there'll be others. Yeah. And this is like one of your only, the only times of your life when you could just go yeah. and do and not be tied yeah. down to anything. And you want to see the world and you want to help people. So go do that. Yeah. Go do it. And if she had done that, then maybe none of the rest of this would have happened. Oh, dang it. You know? Oh, dang it. So, okay. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> Megan's all in her feels. <laughs> anyway, her roommate later said that Betsy didn't do much um, as far as extracurricular, extracurricular stuff. She basically okay. studied and she spent time with her boyfriend. Okay. That's it. Um, around Thanksgiving, Betsy was getting stressed because she was behind on a big English assignment. She spent the day before Thanksgiving with David and some friends. She and David had been dating for about a year at this point and had planned to be engaged by Christmas. Oh. On Thanksgiving Day, she went back to her, dor- her dorm so she could work on the research paper. Okay. <laughs> what do you think is wrong with me right now? <laughs> Words. <laughs> Words coming out of your mouth. On Thanksgiving Day. On the day of Thanksgiving. She, w- <laughs> she went back to her dorm. So she could work on the research you paper. You know what? Amazon should hire us to read their audiobooks, I believe. All of them. All every of, single every one Every single book. I'm good at the words. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Uh, so she wanted to work on the research paper, and she was going to see what she needed to do to complete the assignment. Okay. So, on November 28th, 1969, Betsy and her roommate both left the apartment. Betsy was going to the Patty Library. Mm-hmm. It's P-A-T-T-E-E. It could just be Patty. Pate. Or it could be Pate. Pate. <laughs> so she went to the library at Penn State where she planned to work on research for her English paper. On the way to the library, she and her roommate went separate ways, but had plans to meet up later to go to, to the movies. Okay. Around four o'clock, one of her professors saw her. And a lot little after that, she ran into a couple of friends who they chatted with her before she went inside the library. So a couple of people saw her heading in uh-huh. and everything was fine. She was just going to the library. So she got there. She put her belongings down. And then she went to the card catalog to figure out where the book was that she needed. Okay. Let's talk about a card catalog. I love it so much. <laughs> um, the youngins. They're drawers. Yeah. Guys, if you are too young to know what a card catalog is or to have ever used one, here's what it is. Every single book. In the library had a card. Yep. And it would have what was called a call number on it. Yep. And that number would be at the top. And then it would have like the author and uh-huh. the, we know, whatever yeah. section of the library it was in and a quick little synopsis of it. But the call number, like if it, I don't remember what they were, but if it was in right. the 100s, it was fiction. If it was in the 200s, it was yeah. reference, you know, something yeah. like that. And so you would have to go through the card catalog to figure out where the book you needed was. And shuffle through the cards, find it, look at the number, and then go figure out where that number was. It was real frustrating if somebody did not put it back in alphabetical order. Oh, it was the worst. So And, like, now I'm just like, yeah, they have no idea what a card catalog no is clue. because the computer just says, yeah, here. Find it here. Yeah. But this one's been checked out. It used to be a whole adventure treasure situation. Yes. So she figured out where to go to find the references she needed for her research, and she went downstairs to a cramped, isolated central portion of the library with long rows of books and low ceilings. This section was called the stacks. That's oh. where you found stuff. So a few minutes later, 
An assistant supervisor said he'd seen a girl in a red dress standing alone in an aisle and two young men talking quietly to each other in a nearby aisle. Another witness said he overheard a conversation between a man and a woman in the general area of where Betsy was standing, mm-hmm. but he couldn't understand what they were saying because he was using a photocopier at the time. Oh. But he was like, it didn't seem like anything was wrong, but right. they were just talking. It didn't seem like there was a fight. Yeah. Anything. Moments later, that same witness heard a metallic crashing noise before a young man who he assumed was a student came running past him. Betsy slumped to the ground at the end of the aisle and pulled several books off the shelves around her as she fell. Oh, no. Two students saw a guy running from Betsy's direction with his right hand covered, yelling, that girl needs help. He was dressed in, I thought this was khaki washable slacks. I don't know. Washable? I don't know. Are khakis not washable? I don't know. Maybe there's a certain kind that are. What? Like, like would linen be not considered washable? I don't... Uh, why not just khaki slacks? Ca- yeah, just why not? <laughs> but whatever. He was dressed in khaki washable slacks, a tie, and a sports jacket. What's the brand with the duck? Duck head. Yeah. (laughs) He had well-kept brown hair, was approximately six foot tall, about 185 pounds, and may have been wearing glasses. Hmm. He didn't, he didn't like yell this and run away though. Like, it's like he ran from that direction and was like, this girl needs help. And then he led the two students to Betsy's body. One of the students checked for a pulse and the other kept his eye on the guy. Okay. He followed. So one of the students states the other guy follows the running guy up the stairs and watched him run out of the library. And then he tried to chase him, but he couldn't keep up. Oh. So the guy who needed help and pointed them to the body was last seen running in the direction of the recreation hall. He was never identified, even though police made several pleas like, hey, oh my gosh, if you're this guy, we need you to come forward. Yeah. Like, and he never came forward. Ooh. So that's suspicious right there. Like, a little sus. why wouldn't you come forward? A little, sus. a little sus. Okay, so back to Betsy. The one student who had stayed with her to check a pulse tried to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. A small crowd had gathered around her. Someone called the paramedics, and they arrived within minutes. They put her on a gurney and got her into an ambulance to go to the hospital, performing CPR on her along the way. At this point, the people who'd initially found her didn't know what had happened to her. She was wearing a white turtleneck sweater with a red sleeveless dress over top, and the clothing she was wearing was really thick. I know. Can't you just like a little jumper? Um, And she'd urinated as she fell. Oh, no. Because of all that, they thought she'd just like fainted or had a seizure or something. Yeah. They didn't realize what had actually happened. Betsy had been stabbed a single time through her left breast with a knife. The wound severed her pulmonary artery and pierced the right ventricle of her heart. Oh, my God. The wound had not produced a lot of blood because most of the bleeding happened internally. Internally, yeah. So when she arrived at the hospital, there's like a more senior medical person. And he realized that blood was seeping through her clothing as the two student paramedics continued to perform CPR. So as they would press it. would. Yeah. So he immediately was like, stop. Her clothing was cut from her body. And that's when they saw the stab wound. No. Betsy Arzma was pronounced dead at 519 PM. She'd (gasps) been attending Penn state for eight weeks at the time of her death. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she should have been in the Peace Corps. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Also, isn't it weird to think about the people who had just seen her, like, um, the ones who saw her at 4.30? Because right. they're seeing her and they have no idea. Yeah. Like, in less than an hour, she's yeah. going to be dead. Ugh. Because, I mean, you're at the library. Right. 
researching a paper. Why it's would not you think that? a deadly activity. No. Yeah. Oof. So, when they did an autopsy, the doctor determined that she had died within five minutes. Oh, wow. When her pulmonary artery was severed, it caused extensive hemorrhaging into her chest, mm-hmm. and she basically drowned in her own blood. Ooh. Which is why she wasn't able to scream for help. Yeah. And the autopsy also showed there had been no sexual assault. Which we kind of knew. I mean, it happened Yeah, it wouldn't have. Yeah. The doctor performing the autopsy believed that whoever had murdered Betsy Arzma was right-handed and had intentionally aimed for her heart when he stabbed her. Oh, my god! Because it was just one stab. It's almost like they had to have known what they were doing. It wasn't like a... Yeah. I don't know. The state police handled the investigation. They used a building on campus as their command center. They interviewed hundreds of students. They searched the entire campus for the murder weapon, but they never found it. My gosh. They offered a $25,000 reward for Ooh. information leading to the arrest of Betsy's killer. Wow. Yeah. Um, on a typical Friday, up to 400 individuals would be in and out of the library between 4.30 and 5 p.m. But that day, only about 90 had done so. Oh. Cheryl Sharp was a clerk at the library. And when she was interviewed, she'd been working the day that Betsy was murdered. And she said the library was really empty because of the Thanksgiving holiday. And most of the students oh, hadn't yeah. come back yet. Yeah. And that's also why only half of the library staff was on duty that day. Yeah. The two students who had seen the guy running, they did two composite drawings of the guy they had seen. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, only one of those was released to the media. I know. Why? I don't know why. One complication, um, before police knew about Betsy's death, the library staff had ordered janitors to clean the urine from the floor, fix the shelving, re-sash the books, basically just clean up the whole scene. Right. Because, you know, they thought she just fainted. Yeah. Like, they didn't know a crime had taken right. place. So it's right. kind of like they weren't trying to do anything. Yeah. It's like if you were to puke in the hallway of yeah. Target. But it's also <laughs> but it's also interesting because, like, the guy who was running, like, how did he know? You know like, well, why was he running? Yeah. yeah. Like... Why didn't he hang around? Right. That's, it's so weird and super sketchy. He, if the predominant theory was, oh, she's fainted or had a seizure. Yeah. Why there was no reason run? for him to run. Yeah. Yeah. So all the physical evidence potentially left by the murderer were destroyed whenever they cleaned it up. Right. The first officer on the scene did secure the scene immediately, but of course it was after the cleaning had taken mm-hmm. place. Still, they did find three droplets of blood that matched Bessie's blood type on a staircase going to the level three stacks, which Ooh. led them to believe that the murderer had left the library th- from that way. Hmm. Police thought she was probably murdered by someone she knew. Because whoever did it approached her from the front, and she didn't scream or try to run away. Right. From the sound of it, they did a pretty thorough investigation. Yeah. They ruled out her boyfriend, David, pretty quickly. Um, I mean, he was at Hershey at the time. She hadn't been stalked. She wasn't really even supposed to be back on campus on the day she was murdered anyway. So, like, how would a stalker have known? Right. Um, They read her diary, but there wasn't anything in there that talked about being unhappy in her relationship or being involved with any other men. And there wasn't any indication from her diary or from her friends that she was feeling uncomfortable or threatened in any way since she'd started Penn State. So Mm. they really just, like, have nothing to go on. Right. So. Okay. In the area (laughs) where Bessie was murdered. She had to take a breather. This is the part you're really going to. This is the part you're going to like. And I use, like, I don't know. Very loosely. So (laughs) in the area where Betsy was murdered, there was this part where they stored desks and like spare empty shelves and stuff. Okay. In that area, they found a desk with a seat pulled back. And on the desk was a half empty can of soda, as well as a stack of porn magazines, both heterosexual and homosexual porn. 
with a soda? <laughs> well, it didn't say what it's half full of, Kara. Okay. They're getting thirsty. Um, you. Um, some of those magazines were dated October and November of 1969. And November of 1969 is when she was murdered. Yeah. Which shows that, like, it was recently in use. Yes. It's not like someone had left that stuff there back in April. Right. When they kept looking, they found over two dozen porn magazines hidden between books in the aisle where Betsy was murdered. And there were traces of semen found in multiple locations on the floor, shelves. I wish you all could see Kara's face. Walls. One of the investigators said that traces of semen were, quote, practically everywhere. Ew. And poor Betsy is just down there looking for this book. Oh, no. She had no idea what she was getting all over her hands. (laughs) She thinks it's a library. Why? Why? Why, people? Why? So... Ew. This led to the theory. Be a little tidier. I mean, I feel like I... Also, don't do that in a public library. But that's like a common... It's common to jack off in a library. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like you've never heard of that before. Right. Like, they're going to go make out okay. stacks. But I thought that was totally a made-up thing. I didn't yeah. realize that actually happened. And I also, thought it was like a don't porn hear about, fantasy. Like, women, like, pleasuring themselves in libraries. No, no you don't hear about women... Because we're a little more contained. We have standards. <laughs> we, what on earth? So this led to the theory that these secluded parts of the library were... This geography book looks great. <laughs> we're going to go down in this dark section of old books and have sex. You know? Yeah. So anyway, they're like, we're this... These secluded parts of the library were where people met to have sex. And some of those sexual encounters may have been like... Why can't they do it in their damn dorm rooms? Well, because... Well, that's what I'm saying. So some of these may have been like affairs. Oh, okay. Or like homosexual encounters or something where the people having sex... They felt like they had to hide it. Yeah. Would really, really not want to be discovered. Okay. So like... So they did it in a public library. Right. (laughs) But it's beyond the whole like, oops, I got caught having sex in a library. It's more like... Now my life is ruined yeah. because I got what? caught having sex in the library. So the investigators thought that Betsy may have stumbled upon a homosexual encounter. Uh, Maybe because I'm, I'm like, why did you go straight to homosexual? Yeah. But they're saying because the witness saw two men nearby. Yeah. So, or she may have just stumbled upon an exhibitionist or a man masturbating yeah. and was then murdered in order to keep her quiet. And that's particularly like if she, if they're right that she knew the guy, uh-huh. it's even worse. It's like this guy gets caught by someone who can right. be like, I saw a guy masturbating down there and it's this I person. I saw Professor right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They did take a bunch of fingerprints from the area and from the magazines mm-hmm. and everything, <laughs> but they were all smudged. <laughs> <laughs> and so nothing came of that. Well, clearly they were sloppy. Yeah. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some other theories are like she was murdered by a rejected suitor or had witnessed a drug deal or had been murdered to settle a drug debt. But like, there's no evidence to support any of those. She wanted to be in the Peace Corps. Yeah. She wasn't like her friends are like, she's never did drugs. Yeah. She would smoke and very rarely she would drink, but that was it. Right. Of course they smoked then. Right. Um, it feels like they're just throwing out anything they can possibly think of. One article I read even brought up the theory that Ted Bundy had done it because apparently at the time he was at Temple University, Uh, which was in Philadelphia, which was two hours away. And he tried to rape her and she wouldn't, and he didn't realize he, he couldn't like, well, there wasn't much time. Yeah. But 
they're really, there's no other reason. But did any of the sketches look like Ted Bundy? Oh, no. Well, we didn't see the one, yeah. but yeah. But there was no reason to tie Bundy to the murder except yeah. for the fact that he was at Temple. Right. You know? Yeah. So I, I feel like they just threw that name out there the same way I want to blame Israel Keys. Israel Keys for, for every murder um, yeah. between 1990 and 2012. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I still think that's completely valid, by the way. Oh, yeah. Israel Keys. Israel lots, Keys. Lots Google it. <laughs> Despite several theories and hundreds of witnesses' interviews over several years, no one was ever arrested for her murder. Oh, my gosh. There have been a couple suspects, although I don't believe they were, like, official police suspects. It's Uh just kind of, like, people that were questioned, but nobody officially named. Right. So, first, there's William Spencer. He was a 40-year-old sculptor, and he had moved to Pennsylvania with his wife shortly before Betsy's murder. Okay. He got a job teaching sculpture while his wife worked on her PhD. He was formally questioned by police after he allegedly confessed to... Quote, killing that girl in the library at a oh. Christmas party in 1969. So that would have been like a month later. Oh. His story was well, the, what he told police. He was like, yeah, I met Betsy and she'd, agrees to po- she'd agreed to pose nude for my classes to earn extra money. Okay. And I was in the level two stacks at the time of Betsy's murder. And I saw her murderer. And then he offered to sculpt a bust of the individual. <sighs> Um, for the investigators. And he did. Like, oh. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> my gosh, you're going to do a sculpture. <laughs> did you know I'm a, did you know I'm a sculptor? Did you, did you, know? you know? I did could you? sculpt him for you. Do you want me to sculpt him for did you? you? Uh, just create this. Let me just sculpt it. Uh, just let me just sculpt it. Cause I, a sculptor. I have these tools that I do these sculptures with, with my hands. So police dismissed his whole story pretty quickly. He'd only been in Pennsylvania a few weeks, which didn't leave a lot of time for him to have met Betsy and become friends with her. And there was no evidence to support the idea that she'd been a nude model. Mm -hmm. Everyone that knew her was like, there's absolutely no way Betsy would ever do that. Plus, it was pretty well known that all the nude models came from Philadelphia. Right. I don't know why. That's just, yeah. That's just where they were. Yeah. Then there was a student named Larry Marr. He was a classmate of Betsy's and they for sure um, had become acquainted in the weeks before her death. And he had taken her out for coffee once. Okay. But there was no like bad blood between them. Yeah. He doesn't match the description of the guy who ran from the library. And there doesn't seem to be any real reason to suspect him other than he had he taken knew. her out yeah. for coffee. Yeah. So they cleared him pretty quickly. Heaven too. forbid she be friends with a guy. Oh, no, no, no. That never oh, happens. No. No. <laughs> no. Men and women cannot, cannot just be friends. be friends. Never. The last suspect I'm going to talk about is the one that's been discussed the most recently and kind of has like, it's really hard. Of course, I haven't like looked at a whole slew of suspects. Right. right. Um, you don't have the lineup in front of me. I don't have the lineup in front of me. But. It's a really compelling argument for this guy being the guy that killed her. Okay. But it's always easy to say that, like, in hindsight, right? Like, so here we go. There have been two books published by two different people about Betsy's murder. One author is Derek Sherwood, and the other is an investigative journalist named David DeCock. Ooh. Both of them named Penn State professor Richard Charles Hafner, who was a geology student at the time of Betsy's murder, as the person they believe is responsible for her death. So two different authors, two different books. Same conclusion. Oh. The thing about Hafner is that he was known to have taken extreme measures to obtain platonic relationships with women in order to conceal the fact that he was gay. 
1968, so this would have been before the murder, Uh he traveled from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts to tell a girl he barely knew that he loved her. Oh. He arrived unannounced, and she slammed the door in his face. Which seems fair. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. Yeah. He lived across the courtyard from Betsy. He had periodic bouts of explosive anger and was suspected of stealing (laughs) several (laughs) and explosive (laughs) diarrhea, which led and contributed to his explosive anger (laughs) and uh, was suspected of stealing several specimens from the university's rock and mineral collection. What? He also was a good match for the physical description of the guy witnesses had seen running from the library. So do you think she maybe like caught him with another man? It's possible that he was yeah. one of the two men that were yeah. down there. What's more, he had had a friendship with Betsy, but she had terminated the friendship shortly before her death. Okay. After the murder, one of Betsy's roommates, Sharon, had suggested that police should talk to Richard Hafner. She said he had visited their apartment more than once in the weeks before the murder. Police questioned him. He was one of the 5,000 people interviewed about the case. Oh my gosh. And he said he had known Betsy and socialized with her, but... But about a week before her death, she'd ended the friendship, saying that she wanted to remain committed to her boyfriend, David. Mm. At the time of the murder, Hafner said he had been having dinner at the student union building when he first heard rumors of a student having been murdered in the library. He also said he felt sick when he found out that it was Betsy. He claimed that he had never set foot in the Petty Patty Library <laughs> because all his research came from the Dake building. D-E-I-K-E. Yep. Building. Yep. Where the geology literature was stored. Because remember, he was a geologist. Right. Right. He loved rocks. So, he <laughs> loved rocks, you guys. You guys have you no idea. So much. Remember how I said that the two students who tried to help Betsy had each done a composite yes. sketch, but only yes. one was released? The other sketch that wasn't released bears a striking resemblance <gasps> to him. Why didn't they release it? I don't it? know. And then, if you look at his schedule, it shows that he spent the two years after Betsy's murder studying almost exclusively off campus. What? So he stayed the hell away. Yeah. What? In August of 1975, so several years after the murder, what, six years later, two boys who worked in Hafner's family rock shop. Mm, Man. Gotta go those rocks. He loves, these are all the stolen ones. I mean, rocks they're so cool. Rocks can be very rare. Yeah. So, but we're just making fun of him. 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 Because I um, don't like him. <laughs> I used to correct, collect rocks, like geos and stuff when I was a kid. Oh. I still And do. now I still like, I love crystals. And yeah. Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so these two boys accused Richard of pedophilia, but a trial over this charge ended with a hung jury. And then he filed lawsuits in return, basically to get back at the people who'd accused him. And the records pertaining to his arrest and trial were expunged in 1981. Mm-hmm. And in the library, there was, like, no viable semen samples. It was all just, like, dried. Yeah. Several, ew. Ugh. Several years after <laughs> Betsy's murder, an acquaintance of Hafner's named Lauren, who was a man, by the way. Because I have a daughter named Lauren, mm-hmm. and so I automatically make that female. But oh, was, I dated a guy named Lynn. This was male. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stated that at 6 p.m. on the day Betsy died, Hafner had shown up at his house panicked. He said a girl he dated was mm-hmm. murdered in the library. Oh. And then he left. So this doesn't quite go along with what yeah. he had said to police initially. Right. About that night. We were just friends. And- well, and also that I was eating it, yeah. when I found out about it. Yeah, and I was so upset. Yeah. 
So Lauren didn't come forward with that story to police until 1976 after a falling out with Hafner. Yeah. Richard Hafner died in the Mojave Desert when he was studying rocks (laughs) in March of 2006. It's his passion. He died doing what he loved. (laughs) He had a heart attack and died from a tear in his aorta, which bled into his lungs. Which is a similar, really? a similar manner of death as what Betsy had suffered. Really? In 2009, Hafner's nephew contacted Derek Sherwood, who was one of the authors I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had overheard a conversation between Richard Hafner and Richard's mother. According to the nephew, he can't remember it word for word. Right. But the gist of the conversation was that Richard had told the his mom. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> he told his mom he'd murdered Betsy. And what? She had done everything she could to protect him. Oh, that's what and she And then made she him was frustrated office. with him because he found himself in trouble with the law again over molesting those two boys. What? She so was- Maddie got caught? When they were having... Their argument that the nephew overheard. Mm-hmm. No names were mentioned. That's right. why the nephew was kind of like, I don't know yeah, what that's, that's about. Yeah. But as he grew up and learned more, he was like, oh. Wait a second. Like they, she was talking about how, like, you already almost yeah. got caught murdering that girl, and now you're doing this. It's yeah. like, I can't keep protecting you, you out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the gist of the conversation. My geez. So David DeCock, investigative journalist who'd written the other book, said that Penn State didn't handle the whole thing very well. When Uh he was researching the case, he couldn't find, like, the amount of case documents that should have been available to the public. Um, There should be an entire file drawer of documents, he said, and there probably were, but they're not in the Penn State archives. That had to be a conscious decision by somebody that they were not going to make those publicly available. If you're going to tell me there's no memos about this from the Penn State president's office, it just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, that could be because if it was another student who ultimately became an assistant professor of geology and a renowned lecturer with Uh a doctorate uh from Penn State, it just looks worse and worse. Yeah. So. Gotta hide that evidence. Yeah. There is no physical evidence linking Richard Hafner to Betsy's murder. It's Mm. a whole lot of circumstantial stuff. Police have never called him a suspect but they have said that he may have had more information than he shared with them. And, of course, he's dead now. Right. So. Betsy Arsma's murder remains unsolved, but Pennsylvania State Police are still actively seeking information on the case. Wow. As a sidebar, Betsy's ghost is believed to show itself <clears throat> between stacks 51 and 52 on the second floor of the library. Police have reported anything. No, no. People have reported anything <laughs> from cold spots to seeing Betsy's full apparition. <gasps> Floating a few inches above the ground. I hate to think she's trapped there. Yes. In the stacks of a library where people looked at porn. Yeah. she's. Yeah. I just think it's wild that he died the same way she did, pretty much. Karma. Yeah. I think it's weird that whoever murdered her, if it was such a crime of of chance and opportunity. Like she just stumbled upon something she Mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to see. Yeah. This person had the kind of knife... That they could get out quickly and stab her quickly one time mm-hmm. in a clean switch wound. I guess. I don't know enough about anything. But it was just that fast. Mm-hmm. And then they got away with it. And like. Also, did he cut his hand? I don't know if that's that way. So there was the one mention of like the guy having his right hand covered. It also could have been that the knife would have been in his hand. Yeah. I just don't. Like, was it just luck that there wasn't a lot of blood and he just happened to get her? Right. But it also seems like if if it was some kind of panic, 
Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it, you know, you hear about them that they just keep stabbing. Yeah. But this was just like a one time and somehow it's like they knew like that'll be enough. That got her. Yeah. Ugh. There's one article that was like, I think it was the boyfriend because he was a med student and he would have had that kind of knowledge. Whereas a geology student like wouldn't have had the anatomical mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. But it's like the boyfriend wasn't Hershey. Like that's. But known. what if he was rooming with someone that was in the, was a med student? The geology? Yeah. Guy? Maybe. I don't know. It's just so a crime of opportunity like that. Yeah. It it seems like a hit almost like it's so perfectly done. Oh yeah. So was it just luck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that. That is that. That's your first Patreon episode. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we can too. bring this to you all. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to the Patreon. Yeah. If you have any stories that you'd like us to cover on the Patreon, or we're also going to be doing video content. Yes. That's like more it's fun. Like just goofy, yeah. silly. We have some really hilarious plans for yes. videos just exclusive for the Patreon. Yeah. But if you have any ideas of things that you would might like to see in video content, yep. you can also let us know. Hey, you can up. email us at witchesmagicmurdermystery at gmail.com. Yep. Or even send it to us on Instagram as well. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.